and um, I hear the first officer call out. And then the first officer jumps on the radio and he screams, holy sh! it's the goat man. And I mean, it's just like everything went quiet. And my, I, I could hear the ringing in my ears and I could feel my heart race. And so I hit my light and I went flying up there. I'd been told by some old, older people, elders, that you grab them and you hold them and you, you, you don't own them, but you, you hold them there until daylight. If you can hold them or pull it in, pull them into the light, it uh, destroys anything they have, uh, any kind of power or anything that, or anything they were trying to do to you, it'll, it'll destroy them. This guy was like bouncing, like. You know, like how you, you see people kind of getting ready to jig? You know how they kind of bounce? Yeah, he was like that way. He was just kind of bouncing, and he was just kind of going back and forth and one foot to the other. And uh, and he just kind of turned sideways, and he turned back over to the other way, and and uh, he took off. Holy shit, he jumped in Wanda. This is Lodge Tales. I'm your host, Rod Williamson. And thanks again for joining us on another episode. If you are Native American and you'd like to come on the show to share your strange and paranormal experiences, please consider emailing us at lodgetales at gmail.com. Welcome to Lodge Tales. I'm your host, Rod Williamson. I'm going to be sharing stories of my own, a lot of personal ones that have happened to me in my life. This is at request of one of our listeners, so I thought I'd just go ahead and do it now. So let me start with, uh, I'm kind of going when I was younger and then moving forward to the best of my, uh, my memory. There, there's more that I haven't, um, kind of put a bullet point next to on this this paper that I kind of wrote everything down on so we'll get through them all eventually but let's start with the uh, okay so this one happened when I was really young geez I must have been about head start or so if I remember right I still had braids that would have been head start and um, so out into medicine, this is on a Blackfeet Indian Reservation, and out into medicine, it's about 15 miles southeast of town. There's a river that runs through there, and it's basically a little valley, and that's where I grew up. And my mom and them, my mom and my dad were, they would take us with them and go visit my uncles across the river there, and you know they were drinking stuff and this was one of those nights they were over there drinking and I used to have to go stay in that room with um, all the kids they had a one-bedroom little house and my older sisters uh, you know well they're my cousins but call them my sisters they'd watch over us and keep us in that room and let us watch TV and you know this is back when they had those old disc players those big square discs I remember they were always watching Man from Snowy River and Footloose. 
God, I used to get tired of them shows. I didn't even know what they were about. I was just a kid, but, you know, I wanted to watch cartoons, but they didn't have any that I remember anyways. And, um, so anyways, it was one of those nights and we were in that room and I heard all the, well, in that house, you can hear them in there. They're all laughing, you know, crying. <laughs> all these things are getting sad or they're telling jokes or just, you know, partying in there. And <laughs> every now and then you'd hear them all break out and because that floor would, it would shake. It would just shake, you know, almost that house a little bit. They'd be in that kitchen dancing. Good song must have come on or something. I don't know. <laughs> and it was like that that was going on that night and all of a sudden I hear all the people go stampeding out of there out of that house and I run out before my sisters could stop me I run out run out that open that bedroom door and run straight ahead is the front door through the little living room there I ran straight out and I jumped off of that top stair that porch almost fell. I, I, I don't know why I always remember that, but I remember distinctly like putting my hands out like I was going to fall on on my face. But I ended up catching myself and I didn't fall. But right after that is when I looked and I could see my uncles were chasing something. I couldn't tell what they were chasing because I didn't see nothing on the ground. I was looking uh, trying to see what they... Because there was an outside light over there. And beneath it, kind of by these corrals, you know, somewhere's over there, there was a horse trailer parked kind of on the side of those corrals. Kind of closer to that little road that leads in off of that ditch bank. And on top of that horse trailer, when I finally got to looking after I seen them throwing stuff, yelling, get out of here, things like that. I looked up on top of that horse trailer and I seen, I seen the... Uh, Jeez, there must have been about seven or eight owls up there. And they were all talking Indian. They're just regular sized owls. But I could hear them. I could hear them just as clear as day. And well, it was quiet. Uh, but I could hear them and I could tell where that sound was coming from. It was coming from them on top of that horse trailer. I mean, I my little mouth just dropped and I, I'm staring at them like, what the heck, you know? And, I could see them and hear them. They're all kind of like talking amongst themselves, and they were kind of like they kept looking over at my uncle and him, and they were just talking. And then the, I couldn't really make out a lot of what they were saying, but I could hear them clear what they were they were talking. And my uncles and them chased them off. And well, I didn't get to see them chase them off per se because my mom, once I got an eye full of that and I seen all what was going on, oh boy, she grabbed me really hard it hurt my neck she pulled me so hard by my back of my uh, coat or my shirt and just jerked me back like get in here what are you doing out there don't be out there there's something bad you know and pulled me back in that house and I don't blame her for doing that because what I saw was it kind of shook me up and yeah that that was like you know some of the first times that I remember ever seeing anything like that. There's another story on episode one of this podcast. It's the first story I tell to kick off the whole the whole podcast. That happened too after this. 
but this talking owl story is like the first time I've ever seen anything like that and you know those owls they're well I've always heard they were messengers you know they just have a message whatever that is I, I don't I don't know but it really shakes you up you can hear all these stories you can you know think about it yourself but until you see one and you hear it then all that doubt's gone you know that those things do exist and it does happen and so what I think those were were spirits that night I maybe they were warning everybody not to drink like that I don't know but they they were there and I don't know what they wanted and I don't know what they were saying but um yeah that was one of my earliest it is the earliest thing that I remember happening you know in my life and just moving along here the that house that I talk about in Browning that was my grandpa's house so there was a flood in the 60s and it washed out a lot of the houses that were living down below on the floodplain is what it would be in uh, the Medicine Valley there that flood washed a lot of houses away a lot of people died there's a, a memorial a big plaque with names on it up at the museum I mean you can go up there and read that it tells you who all passed away in that flood there's a lot of names on that what happened was there was a a big I asked my grandpa about it one time and he told me you know he says it rained really hard for about four days straight and that dam they had up in Red Eagle it burst to Medicine Lake area uh, in the mountains there it broke and all that water come gushing out, washed all the way through. And so, when that happened, the tribe built all those people that were caught in the disaster. They they built them houses in Browning, and we we call them flood homes. And so my grandpa had that, and him and my grandma stayed there for quite some time. I remember that's like the first place I remember them living was right there in my lifetime anyways it was in that house and later on I want to say oh about mid 80s sometime he had that house built back out into medicine on on their land and this time it was built above that floodplain it's kind of built up above there a little bit but um that house in town that flood home the the first thing I remember happening in there was well geez it must have been around 86 or so we were we were just sitting there my mother myself uh, I think my little brother might have just been a baby at the time and my sister and she was watching a scary movie it's funny I still remember the name of that movie it was called the gates of hell <laughs> it was a really old to me it was scary and, was, and she, so my mom was watching and we were home with her must have been a weekend or something because we weren't in school well my little brother he had this um I'm just thinking about it he yeah he had this little tiny guitar it was uh 
You know like those jack-in-the-boxes where you wind, you have that little crank and it pops out? It was just like that, but it was on a little tiny toy guitar, and it just cranked, and it was Bugs Bunny. Kind of made a Bugs Bunny melody. Anyways, as we're sitting there watching that, that TV, it was all by itself on that couch that is, it faces that south window. That's one of the doorways that come in from that side. It faces right there, kind of a double window right there, and there was a couch underneath it. Well, it just started playing by itself. And <laughs> I remember my mom, and they just got quiet. My sister, they're all looking at it. And I want to say my brother, too. He's really small, though. Maybe not quite a baby. He might have been about three maybe a little older I don't know but they all just stopped and they were looking at it <laughs> I got up and I walked over there and I, I just stared at it and I reached down and I kind of swat it a little bit like hit it you know just to see if it make any more noise it didn't but that was the other kind of odd thing I remember growing up I was like how the hell did that start playing you know because you needed force you needed to actually crank it it don't just stay cranked and decide to go off whenever it wants you know you gotta actually move it for it to make those noises <laughs> so that that was really really an odd one but um so that moving along I went to the Blackfeet boarding school too later on I must have been about the oh, second grade or so and uh when I went down there see I went to the boarding school after my grandma passed away in 86 so that's where I went is down there you know it's kind of crazy at home she was the glue that held our family together and I remember thinking well I'm just gonna go down with my friends it'll be maybe funner down there there won't be as much drama or, or anything like that you know so I went down there and I remember the one of the first nights I was there had had to been like the first week or two I was there um, since I was the last one to get there my room was furthest back to this back exit on the little boys end of the old boarding school there's a new one there now this is the old one and all the other kids are kinda their rooms are all up front and the there's one hallway that goes right down the middle and on to the left and right Right across from each other will, will be a room and another room, you know. Then you'll go down the hallway a little bit more. Another two rooms across from each other and so forth all the way down the hallway. Well, on the little boy's end, there was no door. Like on a big boy's end, you had a door you could walk into your room and close it. Well, in this one, it was just a big open. Like there was no wall there even. And just the hallway goes right into your room. Your beds are right there, like big cubby holes, you know, just big cubbies kind of down that hallway. Well, all the students would be put up toward the front, toward the, the beginning of the hallway, so the matron comes down and checks. She ain't going all the way down. It'll just be right there. Whatever kids are first, you know, and just move down. So, anyways, I was kind of farther back. I was the last one back. And I don't remember having a roommate. I was all by myself back there, the furthest room back, and it was on the left side as you walked down that hallway. And I had my bed close to the hallway, 
kind of um, like pushed into this we had closets but we would there was no doors on them so we just push our headboards into that closet and that's where our bed would be and you know, we had more space in that room if we kind of arranged it like that and so uh, as I'm sitting there or as I'm laying there trying to go to sleep I Here's some kids. I could tell they're kids because they're small little pitter-patters of their feet. I could hear their feet slapping off of that that old floor, VCT flooring tiles. You know, I could hear their feet slapping on it. And I looked down toward where the matron comes from because that's where all the kids are. I mean, I looked that way not because I heard the sound come from there, but I thought to myself... There's nobody back here. I've been laying here. It has to be coming from up front. And as I look back down the hallway toward that rear exit, there's a red exit sign there and that light's on. It's red. It kind of gives it this eerie look down there too because of that red light. <laughs> but I look down and I just seen a shadow of a little kid running to that back room on the left, the same side that I was on, but way back about three two or three rooms down that that was the very end area and that's where I seen it run but I heard two sets of footprints uh, foot you know steps back there so I was kinda like still curious wasn't creeped out because I I seen them uh, well one of them but I heard them both and so I laid there and I kind of had my head to the side, you know, and I was laying on my back, but I had my head to the side, and it was just basically looking down toward my feet, but looking down that hallway, and, uh, nothing, nothing happened, I kind of waited for a while, did I start going to sleep, because I heard them run again, this time they ran back across that hallway, and <laughs> I looked up, and same thing, I could see them both, at this, this time I seen them both, but just the side of them, as they're going into that other room. I didn't really get a really good look at them. It was dark, you know, but I did see them. A little boy and a little girl. That boy was a little bit taller than that girl. And uh, then I got scared. I really got scared. I I um, put those covers over my head because I didn't want to see them. And, and I laid there and I I remember hearing this prayer, they call it the Lord's Prayer, I remember hearing that when I was really small, but I didn't know how it went, I was trying to say that because I was so scared, and <laughs> I, I couldn't figure it out, well anyways, I, I could hear him still back there, but I wouldn't look, and finally I just fell asleep, that would, that happened to me about three, four times, about three times down there, and one of the times it was happening, uh, I put my head under those covers and I remember, you know, we used to rent these VHSs of uh, it's different movies, different boys would go up with Ivan Redhorn and rent movies, or whatever matron was there would go up, and you'd jump in that van with them and go to Browning Video and you'd rent those movies and bring them back for everybody. Well, one of these times they brought back an ACDC video. Jeez, I really liked that music when I was a kid. I still like them, but uh, I remember thinking to myself, well, maybe just remember how those videos go and how those songs go. And I 
kept trying to concentrate on that instead while I was laying there with those cover you know under those covers and I'd eventually fall asleep but it got to the point where I guess I must have just been thinking about it too much because I wouldn't I wouldn't put my head under those covers anymore and I I just couldn't do it because I kept thinking God I think they're right beside my bed looking at me and I don't want to take these covers off well it's almost like you would start suffocating under there it'd get really hot and hard to breathe <laughs> if you didn't fall asleep I mean it was kind of torture under there so I I kind of quit doing that because it was it would scare me even more to put my head under the covers so I quit doing that and Geez, to this day, I still can't put my head under the covers if something spooky is around. I just can't. It scares me even more. Just thinking about it, I guess. Well, anyways, um... Later on in boarding school, this ain't in chronological order, this part. But, uh... My cousin... Um... I'll just say his name, uh... Gary. Um... He was down there. He was on the big boys end. I had just moved to the big boys end. You gotta be in sixth grade when you could move up there to the big boys end. And I had a room further down the hallway than his. The big boys end is opposite of the little boys end. So if you went out of your room in the little boys end and you start walking down that hallway toward the main hallway, if you just keep going straight, straight across, you'd run into the big boys end. It just goes straight down. And my room was w way far back. Well, one night I get up and I had to use a bathroom, and I walked down to that um, to those lights where the bathroom was. They're on all night, the lights. Anyways, uh, I walk in there, and I'm using a bathroom. Well, before I was getting ready to use it, I had to walk by Gary's room. His was right there, just as you go into that door. It was the first room next to that bathroom, and I seen him on the far side of his room opposite the door way over there sitting over there and uh he was just sitting up kind of like looking around to me it looked like he was really really tired and didn't know where he was at <laughs> so it kind of looked to me and he's just looking around look around again and next thing uh i said oh what the heck that guy's doing because i just kind of slowed my pace a little bit the real slow steps going by i watched him and used the bathroom just kept going but as I was coming out, I I stopped into his room. I walked in there. I said, hey Gary, what's going on? And he said, you know what, Rod? He said, should I I leave my bed over there, close to the door? Cause that light from the bathroom shines in on me, and I like that. I don't like it too dark. He said, and I just woke up, and geez, my whole bed's moved over to this side. I said what? He said, yeah. I went to sleep, it was over there. I woke up, uh, everything's over here now. I said, holy shit, well, should I, do you want help moving your bed over to that side? Yeah, so we we moved it back to that side and told me, you want me to sleep in here at the end of the night? He says, no, it's all right. I'm just going to go back to sleep, try and get some rest. And I said, all right, then I just went back to my room. I remember thinking about that that night before I went to sleep. Thinking, oh Christ, that guy's brave. <laughs> I went to slept in there. I was thinking of myself like that, and you know that's why I asked if he wanted me to sleep in there with him because 
we'd start getting spooked on that little boy's end. We'd all pile into one room and, you know, we'd, we'd put two beds, three beds together and we'd all pile on those beds. Well, that's not allowed. You have to go to your own bed. And those matrons would come down. I remember one night, this one matron come down. I don't want to say her name because I don't, you know, want to, uh, I guess make anyone look bad, but I want to say her name, and we were sleeping in that, we are all piled in that first room on the right, as you go down the little boys in, and things were happening to us down there, those little kids and stuff, you know, we, we were all really scared, and uh, I remember the matron come down there, she turned on those lights, all those lights, there's a breaker box right in the beginning of that hallway as you come down, you can hear them click, 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 all turning off. You boys need to get back into your beds. I don't know how she knew we were all there. She guys you need to get back in there. And so we did. We moved back in there and she made those kids that own that room spread their beds apart again. So But it kept happening. Those spirits down there kept raising hell, you know, playing around in those back. Just scaring us. So we we couldn't stand it anymore. We all ran back in there again. And this time she come down. Those lights were in on, and uh, she come down and she seen us all in there again. And all you boys line up, line up on this wall right here. She went back down there and turned all those lights on. Come back. She had that paddle and spanked us all. <laughs> So not only were we getting spooked, but we were sent to bed spanked. And that paddle was a kind of a big one, you know. That thing hurt. It's like a baseball bat, how they swing it, two-handed. Whack. You know, those were the days when they were allowed to spank you. Jeez, do that today. Lawsuits, all kinds of stuff. Anyways, that's what they do to us when they're younger. But, um... So... Just moving on with with this kind of an order now. Um, about the fourth grade, I I got this appendix, appendicitis. You know, I got that. They had to remove my appendix. But geez, I I remember there was a fair going on. I wanted to go to Kalispell Fair. I didn't want to miss out, so I rode the rides while I was in pain. Basically, is this letting it go and letting it go, but I didn't know what was wrong with me, I just had this pain in my side, my right side, and kind of in front, but right there, you know, that's where I was hurting all the time, and uh, I asked, um, one night it got too bad, and I asked, I went to my dad's room and I asked him, I said, dad, can you do something for me? This is really bad. I mean, I could barely walk. He said, what's wrong? What's going on? I said, my side, it really, really hurts. I was crying. I said, can you help me? I don't know what to, what should I do? Just holding my side. He said, oh, wait, wait, get ready. I'll take you up to that hospital. We went up and the next day they brought me down to Great Falls and did surgery on me down there. And here it broke. It burst and it kind of started poisoning me. But they took all of that poison out and everything. Well, I had a drain tube, like, stick it out of my side with this little pouch. Like a little plastic, I don't know, oval looking thing. 
where it would all gather in there. And um, that was after I got home. I had to keep that thing in. After a while, I had to go back up and they, they took it out of me. That must have been like a, I don't know, a little, little drain thing to get that infection, the rest of it out. And when I went down there, I was by myself on that ambulance ride down. My mom and them weren't with me when I went down and I went through surgery. I just woke up in intensive care. I had to stay there about three days or so, four days. And when I woke up, they were there. But I was by myself going down. It must have been during that time. My dad went to go see uh, Buster Yellow Kidney, or my uncle, you know. My grandpa's, uh, whatever, raised like brothers. Anyways, he's a, he's, I guess for lack of a better term, he's one of those uh, medicine men. Uh, anyways, he, he, a holy man. He had gifts to heal and stuff. Well, they went to go see him. And he said he sent down some help for me while I was in the hospital, you know, to, to kind of help me out. And I guess what he said was, uh, my dad told me he, he sent down a spirit to, to be with me down there to keep me safe, make sure everything went good. Well, as I got discharged, my, my dad told me, he says, hey, um, they said to come back, come back uh, after we're done. And he wants to see you. And so when we went back, it was at a night lodge. It's a ceremony to call a night lodge. And we went back to that night lodge and I was sitting in, sitting in there, I remember against the wall, and it gets really dark. It's basically like a, um, just a big area. They used to use this old house, but they there's no furniture in it, nothing's in it. It's just empty. And they took everything out of it, and they would seal up those windows and the door, and seal them with smudge, and you know, things like that. Well. You know, that's because nothing bad can get in there. They only want those good spirits there, nothing bad. And I was sitting with my dad uh, against that wall. And I remember my elbows were against the wall. Like I was sucked them up to the wall. My elbows were against it. I was sitting back. But my dad was right to my uh, left. And I was kind of leaning into his arm, like putting my head on his shoulder, like, you know. So I was kind of scared because it was dark in there and those men would start singing their songs that were calling in those spirits to come in and help everybody, doctor and stuff. Well, then I heard those, I heard this rattle start going around and uh, I was thinking to myself, how the heck can somebody be walking around with that rattle in here? Because there were so many people, so many legs to trip over, you know. I thought, how how is that possible? But it was just moving. No, didn't hear anybody walking or stepping over anybody. I didn't hear any of that. It was just moving around that whole little house. And behind me, well, my back was to that wall, but on the other side of that wall would have been the kitchen. It's like a kind of like a horseshoe-shaped big open house. No rooms, just like that. And uh, I could hear that rattle went first in from those men it came my way then it went back around 
finally behind that wall and I could hear it on the other side of that wall right behind me <laughs> and just then it it tapped me right through the wall like the wall didn't even exist just tapped me a couple times tick tick right on my elbow <laughs> I jerked my elbow forward dad that rattle's touching me he says oh don't don't worry about it he said it's okay and I, I, I remember being scared then I really got close to my dad I sat real close to him well as we were leaving uh, that old man old Buster told my dad he says uh, Jimmy he says those spirits are really glad that you know to see your boy they're glad that you guys came back and that was that we left but I remember that being one of the first times any of those ceremonies that you know that I've been to well it was the first time that I I guess kind of experienced the power of them of those spirits and what they do and what it was doing when it was hitting me with that rattle was it was blessing me you know was trying to keep me safe and stuff and just blessing me must have been glad like they said uh, that I came back but uh yeah that's you know when you experience those things like that you even at that young of an age, the doubt just goes away from you. You know they're real. Because <laughs> you'll hear stories, why well, I used to as a kid, of people talking about things going on in those ceremonies that, you know, they can't explain, or they can explain, but they just sound really fantastic, you know. Like, but it happened to me, you know, it's the first time. And, uh, let me look at where I'm at. So let's kind of fast forward in the, in my life to oh about around high school sometime here. I was up in Chamawa and uh, this story I was saving for the podcast when I could get my mom, my brother, and my sister together and we could all sit down and tell this story. But you know because I want to hear I want everybody to hear their side of it too. My mom's side, sister, my brother's side. Not just my side, but and one of these days when I can get them together, we will tell it all, all together. But till then, I'm going to tell my side of the story. Uh, so here's this spirit in Oregon. My mom had a, she moved up there. I was going to Chamao Indian School in Salem, Oregon, and my mom moved up there and had this uh, rental house. Oh, white house. And, uh, had a upstairs to it. Upstairs there was two rooms on either side. Downstairs was the master living room, dining area, kitchen. And uh, anyways, my okay. So the first time anything ever happened, it was a night where we were just kind of watching TV. And my sister was cooking spaghetti. Me and my little brother were watching TV and. My niece, she uh, she kept getting in trouble. Her mom was scolding her, you know. You behave now. You can get in trouble, you know, whatever. And must have hurt her feelings, and so she went upstairs to that room. And gee, she must have been up there about 20 minutes. And oh, she must have been about four or five years old at the time. And we couldn't. 
You know, when, when kids get quiet, you notice after you've had kids around you for a long time. When they get quiet, you, you notice something's off. Why are they so quiet? <laughs> and it was one of those times. So we go up, my brother and I, to go check on her. We're walking up the stairs because my sister was still cooking and Daniel was just a baby, my nephew. and He was down there with her. Well, I mean, he wasn't quite a baby. He, he, he could walk, but he was just learning. He wasn't very good at it yet. He could crawl really good, but he was just walking, just starting to walk and do it all right, you know. So anyways, we go up and... I, I'm I'm the first one up the stairs as I'm walking up. My brother's right behind me. He's actually peeking his head under my arm looking in there with me. We both look around that corner and we look into that room. Well, as we look in there, my niece is sitting next to that window. See, we could hear her talking as we're walking up the stairs. And we don't know who she's talking to. I just remember her saying, yeah, my mom's real mean. I just want to go away. Can you take me away? I just want to go with you. We're like, what the hell? Who's she talking to? And so we get to the top, and as we peek around that corner, she's sitting there in a chair, kind of half facing the window, but she's looking out the window, and it's pitch black out. It's night. And as soon as we get around that corner and look, boy, that window slams shut really violent. Ooh. And she don't even flinch. Instead, she just turns really slow. Her head, like, really slow toward us and looks at us. With no expression on her face. And, oh, that spooked the hell out of us. We, um, I could, my sister was coming up the stairs by then. And she had that baby. And she had Daniel. And, oh, my God, yeah, I just ran down. I thought, I'm not going to let Daniel go up there. I grabbed that baby from her and she went up. My brother just took off every man for himself, you know. <laughs> and we stayed at the bottom of the stairs while she went up and she walked in. She said, what's wrong, my girl? Walked into that room and that was that. Uh, she come down and treated her all right. But we were talking about that, you know, later on, I, me and my brother, we started asking her questions like, well, who was you talking to? She said, Bucket Woman. I said, what? She said, yeah, I was talking to Bucket Woman. Did you know she's magic? I said, really? How's that? She said, well, she can make these lights float around in the room. These little lights, they can float all around her. She's magic. She said, every time I see her, I go up to her and I give her a big hug. I said, well, why do you call her a Bucket Woman? She said, because that thing she wears on her head, it's like a Looks like a bucket. Like, what? Anyways, uh, she goes on to say, well, one night she came and uh, she said that she, well, my my brother, she said, is, is scared of her when she came. And I told her to give him a hug, but she, he said that she scares him. And he didn't want to give her a hug. And I told him, just give her a hug, it's okay. And so he did. And when he pulled away, uh, there was blood all over his hands, she said. That's coming from a little kid now. And she said, so I had to bring him downstairs. He was really scared. I had to bring him downstairs and I had to wash all that blood off his hands after he hugged her. I was like, oh, cripes. You know, when I heard that, it was, 
it was getting really to me intense and felt evil you know something bad was there well anyways it would only bother around those kids like that it would only I don't know but there was another time where my uncle was staying with us my mom's brother and he stayed up in uh, my room anyway I was going to Chamawa so I didn't really stay there so he, he was staying in there and my room was above my mother's room upstairs and he um he walked into the here's a closet like these side panel closets on the side of that thing it's like a big roof but then the walls but that extra space sets there from that big roof were like kind of like little storage closets my mom was telling me when I come home on a weekend to visit them she said that uh boy he come crawling out there really scared he wouldn't say what he's seen in there no, he's seen something and he won't go back in there. I remember that too because on the side that I I had a bunch of stuff on was opposite the side. He he went in and seen something. I don't know what it was he seen, but I used to store all my things in there too. And on the other side, and I crawled in there one time and was digging around getting stuff out. It looks creepy in there, but I didn't really think too much about it. And I remember him asking me, hey Rod, can you go in here and grab this? I don't even remember what it was. It was like, a, I don't know, something in there. Grab that ad there for me. And I said, where are I? He says, in this side over here. I said, all right. I said, it looked like this. I remember kind of asking him what it was, like how it looked or whatever. Whatever it was I was grabbing. Because I remember asking him, like, well, does it look like this? Look like that. Yeah, it's this color right here. Just grabbing it. Okay. I only found it and brought it out to him, but I thought that was really odd. Like, why didn't he go in there? <laughs> this kind of lines up after I think about it, and, you know, he, he wouldn't go back in there. He also wouldn't talk about it, whatever he's seen in there. That always made me wonder, what the heck was going on? What did he see? In that same room, though, that I had and he had, there was this compass painted on the floor. See, the floor was also painted black. And it was wood, but it was painted black. And there was this orange, orangish red compass kind of painted into the onto the floor. Well, really, if you stare at it, I mean, you didn't have to stare. You can just see it. It was a one of those satanic stars, or or whatever. But it was disguised as a compass. That's the only way I can describe that. And my mom painted over it. Geez, a couple times she painted over it. It came back. Just faded back in. Don't know how the heck that happened, but it did. And uh, Bucket Woman, what what she is, is this old nun. And that headpiece she wears is kind of square. I don't remember what they're called. Um, there's a name for those headpieces those nuns wear, but it was kind of square looking, and that's why that you know my niece called her a bucket woman because it was shaped like square, like a little bucket on her head. But she was a nun, an old nun. My mom, when they were first viewing that house and she was going to rent it, the the owner walked her in there and let her look around. She looked to the top of these, to those stairs where that room was, as she was walking by, and she seen that nun standing up there, just looking down at her. 
you know, my mom's uh, a strong Catholic, and she just thought to herself, oh, that that's probably a good sign, you know, didn't think too much about it, even prayed a little bit, you know, I guess, but she's seen it when she first moved in there, and there was something about that tree out back, uh, I, just, I still don't know what's up with that tree, but it seems like that's where she would sit when she was talking to my niece. She had to have been sitting in that tree just from the angle she was looking out at. That woman had to either been floating right out that window or sitting in that tree. I don't know, but either way, that, that was one of the times that was pretty scary, you know. And then that was in Oregon, the bucket woman. But as I was going to uh, Chamawa there, I had come back when, let's see, when was this? Um, no, I didn't, it wasn't, okay, so let me just skip ahead because I don't want to, I want to try and keep this in order as much as possible. So back to Chamawa when I was going to school there. Now there was a lot of things that happened in that school to us. Like a lot of things. Um, this story I call the uh, whirlwind of bunk beds. <laughs> so we were in dorm one, uh, yeah dorm one and we we're down below. It's got three levels to this place. Down below there's only four rooms and that's where you know the TV room's at. There's big wide open space, some are bookcase down there and just things like that where you could watch TV and raise hell if you wanted to. Kind of run around and stuff. Well anyways, uh, the first floor is nothing but rooms and the matron's office and then they got upstairs which is just more rooms. Well, toward the end of the year they put everybody onto the first floor because you know the matrons again to keep them from walking up and down those stairs or just you know, being harder on them. They keep them all onto the first floor so it's easier to check the students to, you know, do head count and stuff throughout the night. Uh, make sure everybody's still there and accounted for, not AWOL or nothing. Well, we were, this was toward the end of the year because nobody lived in those rooms down there. And what they would do is they would break apart those beds. Uh, it was like they used those rooms as storage rooms. And these metal bunk beds they would store in there. And those old government bunk beds are heavy. You know, they're really heavy, down there, cast iron, steel. <laughs> but they would stack them all up, break them down, stack them all up down in those rooms. And it was one of those nights. I mean, one of those days. Uh, one of those times in the year where that was done. And those students were living in those, those rooms. We were down there, messing around. I remember... Here's a guy named uh, Josh Warrington. He's a Menominee Indian, and he did all of this martial arts type stuff. He was really into it. Competed in like these things called forms or whatever. Well, anyways, he was pretty good at his stuff that he did. He must have been training at it from a really young age. But uh, he was showing us these really cool little moves that you could do. You know, we were messing around like that, practicing around down in that big open space, and. Uh, just then, out of nowhere, we could hear all of those bunk beds just being swung in there, violent, man. Like, violent. Like, 
I don't know, man. Like there was a whirlwind of them going on in there. They're just like like there was a tornado and this bunkers are just being flocked. I mean, you could hear the bricks chipping. You could hear it all. <laughs> we we just stopped and we all stared at that. Even those guys that were watching TV stood up, turned around, and were looking over there. Like, what the hell? We all just standing there looking and didn't it quit? But yeah, it was like. I don't know, it must have went on for a good 10 seconds or so. It felt like forever, but it was violent, man. It was scary. Because it felt like you could get hurt by them if, you know, if you were over there and it kept happening. But, you know, like if you were in that room, you'd definitely be shit killed or something. It was really, whatever it was doing, it was really strong. That could throw them like that. That's why it really scared us. Well... I found myself leading the group of boys and they were all behind me. <laughs> we were going to go and see if that door was open and peek in there and see. Man, I got right to that door. I was just going to grab that door handle and go in and I looked behind me and shit, everybody was behind me. You know, half ready to bolt, just like right behind me though. I lost my nerve. Oh no, go get Everett. Go get Everett. <laughs> the guy way back there went and got Everett. Everett Hall was this great big giant matron. He was so strong. I mean, he used to do this trick where he'd rip a big thick phone book in half, you know? It, it, it was just a cool trick that he could do that. We all tried and we couldn't do it. We were pretty amazed by him. I, I arm wrestled him all the way up to my senior year trying to beat him. I couldn't beat him. He's just so strong and he was, you know, kind of an older guy. <laughs> I always thought that was cool though, but anyways, he comes down, and uh, I just kind of back off that door a little bit, and we're all still standing there. Well, he comes down with his keys, he opens it up, what's going on down here, Waters? Something's in there, throwing all those bunk beds around, like really hard too, I don't, I don't know, Everett. And he just didn't say nothing, he just grabbed his keys, walked in, and I was peeking right under his left, left arm, as we are walking in, and I was low, man, I was ready to run too. <laughs> But he opens it, turns on a light, just walks right in like nothing. Brave old guy. And we followed right behind him. Then I just stood up and relaxed because all the bunk beds weren't... There wasn't even a mess in there. There was no mess. They were all like they were. So that was really strange. We didn't really know what to make of that. But that next room over is joined by a bathroom so you can walk through that bathroom door and into the next one to go into that room you don't have to go out the room and around he said well let's go check this other room and so we followed him through went into that other room he turned on a light same thing there was everything was in place nothing was out of order they're all still stacked really neat and there's nothing wrong those bricks weren't chipped there was no holes in the drywall one wall was brick, another wall was drywall, there was no holes, nothing. <laughs> that really kind of shook us up, we didn't know what to make of that, but... Yeah, there was multiple people there on that one. And, uh... This, that was dorm one. So there's dorm five, and this place is really spooky. Dorm five has got a lot of stuff going on in there too. But dorm one was really spooky for me, well anyways... Dorm 5 was a girls' dorm, and uh, I was over there with some of my friends, and 
we were just standing there visiting. You know, the boys could go into that lobby area. Like, you just couldn't go down the hallways to the rooms. You couldn't even, like... Once you went into that hallway, you were wrong. You were... You could be written up because you were violating the rules. You couldn't even go into the hallway. But you could stay in that lobby. So we were standing right there on the edge. As you walk in dorm 5, you would head left and walk along those that those windows. And as you come around a little bit, there's that those stairs that lead up to that second floor. And then to your right would be down the hallway. We were standing right there at that junction, I guess. And I was looking down that hallway. Well, as I was standing there, I had, you know, one of my friends was, was kind of close to me, standing close to me, and she was talking to me too, and I, I just kind of, because I felt something funny, I was distracted, and whatever it was, was on that top floor, but I could just feel, I don't know what, how to explain that, but it was really distracting me, and you know, I just, I was looking up, and I, I, effectively I was just looking at the walls, you know, the, wall the, the ceiling part, the ceiling tiles, and, but I felt it, and I felt, whatever it was, it was going down that hallway upstairs, couldn't see it, obviously, can't see through walls, but I felt it, whatever it was, and it started coming down those back stairs on the opposite end of the hallway we was at, and I just kept standing there thinking, what the heck is that, there's something down there, though. You know, it was really strange to me. I, I couldn't, I couldn't make sense of it. And just then, it's whatever. It was a humanoid figure, but it was blurry, <laughs> like, like, like blurry, but like, and it looked like a man shape. I, I could make out like kind of the outline of its head as it peeked around that corner, but it left the rest of its body on the stairs and just kind of peeked its head around. But it was blurry. Uh, no house to say it like um yeah movie predator i don't know if anyone's seen that but they do this weird bleary look where they kind of blend in with everything they're like cloaked or whatever that's what it looked like to me but just the head of a man had short hair that just kind of peeked around well not even a man like a well maybe about like a 20 year old kid you know just peeked around at me that's what it looked like to me I got so, when it looked at me, I got so scared. <laughs> my eyes just got big, and my friend that was talking to me must have seen my face. And she said, what is that? And she looked down there, but before she could look down at hallway, it pulled its head back up. I said, man, I just seen something really weird. I didn't really feel like talking about it, because I didn't know how to really say what I seen without sounding crazy. <laughs> so I just, I just told him, and I seen something blurry down there. I don't know what it was, but it went back around. It went up those stairs. And I remember right then, my other friend, she started telling kind of spooky stories about that place. And we just talked more and more about those. And I don't know, that was kind of that. But uh, she told me a few spooky stories about that dorm because they, they stayed there. And that's where we were visiting. Then in dorm one again, that was a boys dorm at the time, and I was in there with my friend, we were roommates, his name is Mark Gardapi, you know, God rest his soul, I was a, uh, we buried him a while back, you know, a pallbearer for him, he 
was really a good friend. He was like my brother. I sure miss that guy. Anyways, we were, we shared a room and we would smoke cigarettes out the window. We'd crack that little window and we'd, we'd smoke cigarettes, just kind of stare outside. Well, so we were looking outside, we could, uh, we could see this man picking trash. He had like a poker, you know, like he'd stab the trash with. And we could see him walking around over by that rec center. And first we seen him come down that big hill, just picking trash. He had a big bag of trash and just seen him walk and stab it, put it in that bag, walk a little further. He was moving really slow. He was taking his time. And, and we didn't think nothing. We were just smoking a cigarette watching him because well, they hire people to pick trash, apparently, you know, we didn't make no big deal out of it. But, uh, got done with our cigarettes, threw them out while we were sharing one. Got done with it, threw it out. And, uh, that next day, we, because we've seen him before this, but this time we actually watched him. That next day we went and asked this lady named Margot, she's like the head of, oh, I don't know, personnel or big boss or something over there at this building called PPS it's like the main personnel building or something like that and we went over and asked her he says hey Marco is there is there anyone that picks trash at night here she just looked at us funny like no well really well we see somebody out here at night you know picking trash he's kind of like a big man and he stabs it with this you know, white poker stick and puts it in his bag. She says, no, there's nobody that does that. She even opened this book and looked on the, like the, the payroll to see <laughs> there's nobody on her payroll that does that there. So me and Mark seen that. We thought that was kind of odd, but looking out across there at night when we'd be smoking our cigarettes, sneaking, smoking our cigarettes, we could see uh, over in that, it's called Crampton Hall. It's a dining facility. It has windows all around it where you eat that cafeteria there's windows all around where all the tables are and stuff and you could see um you know all over out there it was really kind of a nice view but when you're in those dorms you could see into that cafeteria too at night they leave like those back lights on not where you eat but kind of in that kitchen area they'll leave some lights on back there and uh you can kind of see in there well if you if you stare over there like me and Mark used to do, you'll eventually see people walking around in there. But you know damn well that place is closed. But you can see them over there. You know, all you kids that go to Chamao right now, if you're listening, I mean, I don't know if you're gutsy enough to try it. But maybe one night if you can see the the Crampton Hall from your dorm, your new dorm. Just stare at it for a while, you'll see what I'm talking about. But, um, so another time we were, uh, looking out our windows, we were smoking again one night, and I remember before this, this girl, geez, I want to say her name was Delmere, but she was telling us stories about down south. I think she was a Pima, or I don't, I don't remember. But different tribes south of ours, she was talking about stick people and just telling us stories about like what's she said, You guys ever hear of stick people? I said, No, what's that? And she says, Well they're they're kinda like 
they're like like they're made of wood but they shape like people and they kind of walk they have you know red eyes and they're spirits I said no never seen stick people I just remember putting that in the back of my mind for a while and not really thinking too much about it well one night we were looking out and I kept you know I was staring at this beacon there's like some beacons over there and then one of them moved like what the heck is that did I move my head so I start trying to move. like no something moved out there and I was looking looking sure enough I I seen it again I said Mark I said look at this right here and I started pointing to right where it was I said stare at that what what is that oh it's one of those beacons I said yeah we'll keep staring at it and we just standing there you know looking at it watching it shit it moved again and we could barely see a little bit of it like it's one leg we could see it's one leg how it moved because there's another outside light that leads in the back used to lead in the back of there and it just shines enough light to where we could see it in those trees it moved again I seen its leg it like, I don't know it took this weird step out or to the side like toward the shadows more and its eyes blinked those things we <laughs> those things we thought were beacons or it's well that set right there was its eyes there's no damn beacon it was that thing that stick person anyways we don't have those in my tribe and the Blackfeet tribe that I know of but that was the first time I ever seen one it was I guess we were in our room so we felt somewhat safe it was just creepy you know creepy to see it no so with that amount of stories I'm gonna stop there I didn't even, well, I only got through about a quarter of all my stories that I have, but the next one I'm going to be telling is going to, we'll pick up where we left off. It'll be from Chamawa again. And uh, it's that big man in the tunnels. There's some tunnels up there. They were, for the longest time, there were these mythical places. I thought they were lies stories people just tell about the tunnels nobody that i knew of knew where to find them or wouldn't talk about them i, I didn't know just nobody knew i kind of made it my personal mission to to find these tunnels so i start you know asking people that knew about them certain matrons i trusted i asked nobody knew so i kind of made it my personal mission to find these and I did and I showed people how to get in there and and this is where that story takes place there was something down there in those tunnels and that'll be on the next episode it'll be a patron episode that I'm gonna tell that story on so stay tuned for that but before I leave I would like to thank all listeners for joining us here and being a part of the show I encourage the you know the listeners out there if you have any any inklings if you're on the fence about start you know sharing your stories just to share them you know it, it's really good to get these stories out and a lot of us enjoy it and just so you know there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast from around the world and to all you overseas brothers and sisters thank you for tuning in I appreciate you guys 
you know who you are I can see the analytics and I, I thank you all from the bottom of my heart for supporting us listening being a part of this show in any way you are you know and to the patrons that next episode is going to be for y'all and so I'll keep telling more of my own personal stories too but there's quite a few to get through and yeah that's where we're going to be within these next few maybe all through Halloween I'll tell all mine through this whole month hopefully I'll get through them all so to everybody out there that's listening no matter what you're doing no matter where you're at I hope you're having a good day a good evening or a good morning until next time